I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Hey there. Ever wonder what happens to all those amazing screenplays that never make it to the big screen? Wonder no more. Welcome to Table Read Podcast, where we bring those undiscovered gems to life. Picture this. Talented actors giving incredible performances with the occasional laugh or blooper thrown in, produced by award-winning pros. From drama to comedy, TV pilots to feature films, there's something for everyone. And guess what? We release new episodes every week, so don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Table Read Podcast, where great stories finally get their chance to shine. Hi, I'm Chanti. And I'm Lynx, and you're listening to Muses. Enjoy the show. For today's episode, we bring you our recording from the legendary Sun Studio in Memphis, Tennessee. We got to travel together. We went to Nashville. We went to Memphis. But something really, really special happened when we were in Memphis. Yeah, I'd say it was pretty divine. Like it Elvis was. himself was looking Elvis down was on guiding us and us. guiding us. He definitely had a hand in this. We went to Sun Studio for a tour. They do tours there. It was an amazing tour. We thought, you know, that was going to be the highlight itself, but it turned into this late night after hours session with Daniel Crockett Hall. <laughs> and Plez Hampton. Yeah. So big thank you to Daniel and Plez for inviting us there. Um, we couldn't believe it. And we didn't know if it was really going to happen or not afterwards. We were just happy to have been invited in the first place. And people might be wondering, well, how the hell did you get invited? How did it happen? Yeah. Well, on the tour, we got to talking with Daniel. And he was afterwards such... he said, y'all want to talk to me? Yeah. He's a feminist and he's such an awesome guy and he really champions women in music and he told us the story of Marion and told us the story of Barbara Pittman and Marion Keisker. 
So, yeah, and it was just evident during the tour how um, how passionate he was Absolutely. about Absolutely. the women who yeah. had worked at Sun Studio and the contribution that they had made. And so after when he, afterwards when he said if, we, if anybody wanted to go speak with him after, um, yeah, we, we kind of jumped right yeah we jumped right on him and uh when he asked us what we were doing in town and we said we had been in a, at a podcast festival and he said well why don't y'all come back later and record an episode and we said holy shit okay we will yeah and um, daniel and plus were the perfect uh people to talk to they know their history they are so passionate about what they do and like we said like passionate about championing women in this industry in my whole life i can't really think of a time where i was treated with so much kindness and hospitality Ah. these guys were the real deal listening back on it it my heart kind of hurt because Uh, i just wanted to be back there this was such a fun one to revisit 24 hours wasn't long enough and uh, yes the experience itself at that studio but it was really those guys who made it what it was like just i just i will i will hold that feeling in my bones for the rest of my life yeah and they feel like you know they're friends for life now we we had this amazing night together and we learned so much from them and you are all gonna learn so much we talk about you know sun records history and the magic of recording there and of course daniel and plez talk about what it's like to work there and and it's i mean the fun even started before our tour started right yeah. we were joking around with all of the staff there before the tour yeah, even started yeah all the staff they that were there they genuinely love being there yeah yeah it's it's a magical place yeah like you said we talk about um or they explain to us the amazing women like Marion Keisker and Barbara Pittman and the all female radio station that Sam Phillips created in the 50s yeah he was so ahead of his time and he he was an amazing guy and we also kind of give the story of our podcast and so people who don't maybe know how muses and stuff was born yeah, you're, if you're gonna... listening to us on rock and roll archaeology and not so much on on our network then you'll yeah. find out yeah yeah and so daniel gives us some great recommendations of local and emerging artists and then shortly after our visit mick jagger and jerry lee lewis stopped by sun studio so obviously it's still a hub for amazing talents and legendary recordings yeah i'm excited to find out what exactly they were up to there hopefully we'll get a good record out of it yep and uh, after the mics were off the fun kept going we oh yeah had a pretty fun funny and fun incident on elvis presley boulevard yep (laughs) it Um, it was just such a great magical night and it feels special that we got to like record this moment in time too you know it's Mm -hmm. Uh, I definitely will treasure this memory forever. Yeah, and once the mics were off, um, we we caught a little bit on film as well, which we're excited to share oh, yeah. with you all when we release a little travel. Yeah, I'm so excited for that vlog. I guess there's definitely called. a lot of dancing happening. Oh yeah, yeah. All and right. I see you're wearing your Sun Studio shirt. I am. Yeah. I, I wore so it yesterday. <laughs> I was wondering. I thought maybe you would wear it. Yeah. All right, everybody. Yeah, listen for yourselves. Here it is. Enjoy the show. Hey, Shanti. Hi, Lynx. Where are we? Well, I think you should tell everybody where we are. I think I think you should take the honor and do it. Ah, this is incredible. I it's like I'm in heaven right now. I'm in a dream. We're sitting in Sun Records, Sun Studios. 
I'm looking at where Elvis stood when he recorded his first song. This is unbelievable. Yeah. And we have Daniel to thank. Thank you so much. Uh, this y'all. is a dream come true. And, and Plez. Plez, thank you so back much. Thank, thank you for coming. We it's wonderful really, to really meet ap- you. We really appreciate it. We came on a tour earlier. and uh, like, It was such a good tour. It was such a good tour. Actually, the guys Who's that we... Who's your tour guide? The guy, <laughs> amazing guy named Daniel. <laughs> the guys that we were here earlier with, they, were, they said about you, he was exceptional. That's good. No, they weren't talking about me. Exceptional. <laughs> and uh, I thought that the, you know, the bar staff and the people selling the merch were also yeah, exceptional. Yeah, everyone here was amazing. It's a fun place to work. It's really hard to have a bad day here. Yeah. You have to actively be trying yeah. or something is just wrong outside of this place with you because it's really easy to have fun mm-hmm. you know with the space and the people that come through yeah every day it's like a new exciting adventure happens here it's for and then sure. as we were taking the tour links and i whispered to each other that guy's got a really good voice for podcasting i wonder if he has <laughs> his own I sometimes if i have done any radio and I, I always say no i never really have i've done a couple podcasts with where i was like a guest like this and they're always fun because I love to listen to them. But I feel like I'm a really boring and, and like, drawn-out conversationalist. No way. So. No, I totally And you got to make sure before you leave this place or before you stop doing the tours that you record yourself doing the tour because yeah. it's really great. And Thank keep you. Keep a copy of that for sure. Have really you ever recorded that. a podcast here? Uh, no. This is the very first one we've ever done. Have you ever done one, Plus? Uh, 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 yeah. Sort of couple. Okay, so Plez has done a couple, but this is Daniel's first podcast. Yes. That, uh, <laughs> this is so special. This is our first in a studio like this. Like, oh, my God. Yeah, this is a bit of a step up from our little ID Audient 14 and our two little microphones with yeah. the only two. Usually we do this in the bedroom in our little yeah. studio area that we've made. and. I thought this would be more fun. I always like setting up microphones, so it's not like a problem for me at all to ever throw those down instead of using somebody else's equipment this is an awesome setup and we're also here with lee mccormick hey hey yes i'm here as well yeah. tramps hey, like us. introduce yourself lee yeah lee mccormick from tramps like us bruce springsteen podcast oh, awesome cool. recording live from sun Studios, 706 union avenue i'm here for probably my 17th time i think <laughs> 18th 18th yeah this is the Plus 18th. has been keeping track yeah. but but it, first time for him. Yeah, first after time hours. after hours. First yeah. time PM, oh, this is my favorite time to be in here because these walls are just, you can do anything you need or want to do musically or you can, you can go crazy. It's fun. It does feel really special in yeah. here. There's a vibe. It's it's, it's pretty crazy. The, the, the songs that have been so important in my life were recorded like right in this room. Yeah. It's just I think such the a vibe. spirits so know cool. that they have it to themselves at night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And Lynx and I were sitting by a pool earlier, and uh, we decided to go to Graceland tomorrow, and we looked at each other at one point today, and we thought, we said to each other, I think Elvis would be proud. I think he knows. I think that he knows and that he would be proud. Oh, I think, I I totally believe that (laughs) the stuff that comes through here, to, to this day, it can be somebody from, like, middle America coming through here doing Elvis karaoke. And they're still leaving a part of themselves in the room. And that, I think, just elevates so many of the people who come through and have, like, you know, just an incredible talent and songs. And it's a special place to record in, for sure. Yeah, there's certain rooms in America that have been just legendary for recording songs. Like the Motown studio, Stax. Stax, I love Stax, yeah. Sun Studios. 
and high roy, uh, royal recording. Yeah, royal Muscle studios. Shoals, all these like just legendary rooms across America where all this like you know the, the music in the fifties and sixties that Renaissance and music, all that stuff was recorded in like you know ten rooms you know, across America, pretty much. You know, it's it's wild to me to think about how like this was basically a garage before Sam bought it, and this you know room which was a garage must have launched thousands of you know similar things in other garages where bands are you know coming in and they're playing and they're working on the opportunity to hopefully go record somewhere and it all literally started in what was a garage that's wild to me mm -hmm. oh, wow yeah unbelievable how long have you guys been working here Plez, how long have you been here like five, uh, uh, i think five years about it was called magic throttle body company what that was the garage, the garage? <laughs> yeah. oh i love to see i'm so glad i don't Amazing think he has magic throttle body code <laughs> but we should explain because um there's four of us sitting around the microphones here and then plez is behind us and killing it that's booth. me he's in the same with room. sam phillips <laughs> watching over him yes. <laughs> he doesn't mind <laughs> you know it was you no, know it was it was, it was all cars um uh the area uh, was used cars uh, next door, both sides, across the street, a garage. Uh, this was the, you get off a boat on the river and you come into town and you get your car and you go east, right? And that's the point of coming to this part of the area. So it's called the Edge. It's still called the Edge. Um, mm. Yeah. Mm. The Edge District. I'm, I'm learning so much. And speaking of which, I learned so much today. I learned so much at Stacks, and then I came here. And one of the things that we were really happy about and really piqued our interest with you, Daniel, was the way that you talked about the women when you walked around mm -hmm. um, so the exhibit. And yeah. Because we don't get that a lot, which is why we kind of felt like our podcast needed to fill that niche. There's yeah. a billion yeah. podcasts about true crime, and there's a yes. billion podcasts about this musician, and there's the first ever, I just heard, not first ever, but maybe, but um, someone just told me about uh, two women who started a podcast on the Beatles, and that's like almost unheard oh, yeah. of because there are so many podcasts about the Beatles yep. but it's two women that are doing the Beatles yeah, so it's really like okay ooh, so what's, the, what's their perspective going to be on the Beatles what are they talking about about the Beatles but the way that you walked around and you talked about them and there was one point where you said girl power and I let out a <laughs> woo yeah I was so excited and then um, yeah so we got to um, learn about Estelle Axton and I didn't even know that was the Axe and Stacks and then I didn't even know mm -hmm. about Marion but I'm not surprised oh, of course like it's it's so unfortunate that those stories so often go overlooked can you, you talk know? a little bit and, about marion um yes plus do you want to give us marion's backstory because you do <laughs> way better at details and then i'll throw in my favorite little yeah stories. yeah uh, uh marion to the booth i got you marion uh marion keisker mckinnis uh marion keisker was her you know pre-married name she um started her career in radio when Sam was 12 years old. So Marianne got quite the jump start on Sam Phillips. She moved up through a, basically a male dominated industry you said uh, radio. She was, uh, she was, she was 15, oh, wow. I think, but Sam was 12. I always like that. Sam Phillips was 12 years old when Marianne started working radio <laughs> officially. I think it's really, there's a great book by Peter Goralnik about Sam where he talks, of course, about Marion and goes into detail about her importance to the studio, the early day-to-day -day, like functioning and operations. And she would even, she believed in Sam and what he was doing so much that she would sometimes take 
uh, money out of her own purse and put it in the petty cash so that they had money in the office out there to keep the place going. And he couldn't have done this without her. Yeah. And he was very aware of that, too. He started the first all-girl radio station, which we don't really get to talk about. We can talk about that later. But uh, he, he, at one point, he was doing, like, a commencement speech somewhere, and he took an opportunity in the midst of them having kind of a public feud about who first recorded Elvis. Mm -hmm. He takes that opportunity to validate her as a person he, like, was a partner to. Um and really stress that he knows. In spite of that they don't remember how this happened the same, he knows how valuable her work and effort was to this place. So I think I love that we get to tell that part of the story, is that she uh, was such a crucial aspect of it. It's interesting, too, when the men who are working with the women appreciate them and like know how valuable they are, yet still somewhere in talking about music history, they got like overshadowed and it's it's strange yeah well the people in power write the stories so that's gonna that's gonna represent those people mostly men are writing those stories and yeah but we've been reading some incredible books by some incredible women and uh yeah no it's super fun to be a part of sharing that story and not necessarily that we were doing it first because we were really inspired by this woman named Pamela DeBar. Have you ever heard of her? I have not. So Pamela DeBar was um, one of the freaks. She was sort of one of Frank Zappa's freaks mm-hmm. um, back in the 60s, 60s. He and started 70s. Uh, an all-girl band with Miss P was one of them. It's called the GTOs. The Girls Together Outrageously, or The Girls Together oh, nice. Only, or The Girls Together, and then they yeah. would sort of yeah, film yeah. And they were like a singing, dancing, uh, visual troupe. They were beautiful, and some of them were like not as, like, you're traditionally beautiful. Yeah. But mm-hmm. One of the um, women, uh, Miss Mercy, actually Tiny Tim gave them all their names, Miss Lucy, Tiny and Miss Bella, <laughs> and Miss Mercy. Oh, that's and, so cool. Oh, yeah. She has, like, amazing stories about she'd go over to Tiny Tim's house, and he would take um, a hockey puck wrapped in, um, it wasn't tinfoil. It was, like, uh, not saran, but it was, like, the baking sheet. Oh, yeah. yeah. A cookie he, sheet, right? A cookie sheet. A cookie, yeah. the whatever wax. it was. Wax. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he would take out a hockey puck out of the freezer, and then they would play mini sticks. And um, Miss Mercy actually was the one that inspired Alice Cooper's eye Yeah, makeup. they used to do their makeup for them. Before they met the GTOs, they were pretty straight-laced. Like, they looked kind of nerdy. Yeah. 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 So Lynx and I met through Pamela DeBar's writing workshops because she teaches writing workshops mm-hmm. all across Canada and the U.S. and the U.K. And so Lynx... She has five books. The first one is called I'm with the Band. That's like her Confessions most famous. I'm with the classic one. Yeah. yeah. Confessions yeah. of a Group. That's that really yeah. familiar to me. Yeah. It's a classic book. Yeah. You got to read it. have to read that. You got to yeah, read it. Her stories that. are incredible. And uh, yeah, it's been amazing knowing her. And she's like amused to us. She's like a fairy godmother. Everything amazing that's come into my life. Like Shanti. It's like through. Links brought her to Toronto, and then I hosted the workshop, and then that's how we met. Yeah. And um, I had been trying to do an episode on Marianne Faithful for so long, yeah, and yeah. I checked the book out of the library over and over and over again. And then I couldn't check it out from the library anymore, and so I put out a message to the dolls. They're called the dolls, Miss mm-hmm. Pamela's dolls. And I was like, Does anybody know anything about Marianne Faithful? And everybody was like, Links does. <laughs> So oh, we actually great, went when we were first meetings. Yeah. When we were in Nashville, we went to the um, Rolling Stones 
exhibitionism. Exhibitionism. I and wanted to see that, and I think so it's good. almost over. Yeah, like, I think this, this was the last weekend. Yeah, today was the last day. I, people yeah. kept coming through and telling me about it, and I never like got to take the opportunity. And I've been to Nashville twice, so I could have done it. Aww. Like that's the worst part. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool, but you know, it wasn't big, big but. It was cool to see like some of the original instruments. And stuff it was fun. And the clothes. Yeah. yeah, it was just set, set up in like a tour bus. No, no, they had like a you know the musicians hall of fame there. Yeah, in Nashville. They had like a like a wing of that. And they had in the country music hall of fame. No, it's a the musicians hall of fame. Hall of fame? The I didn't go to that fame, one. Yeah. I've never been there before. Been to Studio B. That was a really fun tour. The RCA Studio. Yeah, B. I yeah. T- I got totally teary eyed on that tour, which is which that's was cool man. for me because I see that happen every now and then when people come through. Well, that's probably like the second best Elvis Presley recording studio. Oh right! Well, that's where he did. Isn't that where he did most of the Elvis recordings? Oh, but like he's ready. He, he, yeah, he was like. <laughs> as soon as Plez sucks Ooh. the wind in through, like, you know he wants to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just also love that he's he elevated there. above us. It totally like yeah, yeah. creates a. I'm a just sad that I have my it back is, like, to him. Voice I, know. I know, right? I should have thought of that. Like I, I never even. You really should. I just chose this seat because it's closest to the Elvis spot. The Elvis spot. But now I have my back to Plez, so it just came to bite me in the ass. He did. Turn around. Uh, he did a lot of work at RCA Studio B. Uh, it was a it was a big studio. Uh, lots of people. Roy Orbison ended up also on that label, uh, recording at that studio. Um, Shadow Chad Chad Atkins uh, mm-hmm. was a big guy there. There's a Studio B back in the day. RCA was like the top of the world, you know. So they could do anything that they wanted, and I just I've always thought it's really really interesting that if Elvis hadn't gone to a place like that I don't think that things would have happened the same way with him um, with his career you mean like the uh, are you are you talking about yeah like I mean the trajectory like, like I, I think if he had stayed at Sun he wouldn't have gotten big the yeah way I can that see that did. I feel like the music he would have made though would have been would have been incredible. I would love like, would've would've I could go down that alternate history road. Yeah, of, like, yeah. What if Elvis never left? I what like would, that road. What would he? But but you know, you I kind of take the position that like Elvis would have like succeeded wherever he went. I don't. Yeah. I don't know. Not here. Like, Elvis could have gone so to weird. L.A. and Elvis could have worked at Capitol. Right. Right. To L.A. to Capitol. Elvis could have gone to New York. He could have gone to Muscle Shoals. Right. Right. He could have built those labels up. I think Elvis. He just had a. He had such a life here, and he was so here. He was such a Memphis person. Like he. His entire life, he stayed here, and he'd go on trips to other places. But like, he was a Memphis guy, mm-hmm. and it's it's funny he wouldn't have he would have it would have been completely different if he had uh, moved away, you know, which he never did. Yeah. Speaking of, let's get back of maybe to Marion. Yeah, and yeah. Her connection to Elvis. Okay, so you have the best, like, that. you guys heard my story of how you guys like, ready? Elvis. I want you Hold to on. hear, right. I'm going to grab a drink. Does anybody need Daniel. anything? Because you need to hear Plez's take on the story. It's, like, one of my favorites. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm excited for mm-hmm. this. So, um. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. 
It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Do you like science fiction? I'm Carrie Bechet, and if you loved movies like Arrival or Interstellar, then you're going to want to check out my podcast, Hypothetical. On Hypothetical, we tell speculative sci-fi stories interwoven with real science. New episodes every Tuesday, available wherever you get podcasts. We're going to set the scene? I'm going to switch set the scene. so I can look at guys cool at with that? Yes. It was uh, Marion... like to say it was a scorcher you know what i mean no i'm good he was just starting it i was just starting it yeah it's okay uh marion she liked to say it was a scorcher you know what i mean one of those extremely hot summer days in memphis and she was sitting at her desk typing up another letter to the power company begging him not to turn sam's lights off you know because he's way too broke to pay the bill and that's when she felt an unusually strong gust of wind blew through the room, knocked every paper off the desk. Wait, the ground beneath her feet began to rumble and quake. Uh, she said as though the floor just might swallow her whole moments before the front door burst open and silhouetted in sunlight. Who was it? Y'all, here we go. That front door. <laughs> who was it? In walks Elvis, who Marion called a wiry, Nervous, greasy kid with the weirdest name she'd ever heard, cradling his broken children's guitar and mumbling inquiries as to how he might be son's next star. Oh, my goodness. So Marion's she's busy, so much right? Better. She's got a lot on her plate that day. And she always says she felt bad remembering how uh, impatiently she looked up and asked, well, who do you sound like, kid? She never forgot what he told her, though. Y'all know what he said? I know, I but I want like you to say it. She said his reply was, well, ma'am, I don't sound like nobody. Yeah. Which did turn out to be true, grammatically incorrect as it may I don't sound like nobody. I like to imagine, though, that Marion laughed out loud or maybe choked on her coffee as she scoffed under her breath. <laughs> I seriously doubt she expected this 18-year-old dirt-covered popper with his busted guitar was about to sit down and prove it. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to have a listen to Elvis Presley's very first recording here <laughs> anywhere. It's a cover of a pop ballad called My Happiness. Oh my God. <laughs> How I long to be with you, my happiness, every day I ring. Dreaming of your tender kiss Always thinking how I miss My happiness Many years it seems I've gone by since we shared our dreams but I hold you again. I'll be no blue memories then. 
<laughs> there it is. It's Here so good. Is. I mean, oh, you know how to set it up. Is that Elvis? Oh, was, I love. I love Elvis. Like to have grown up in Memphis and never known enough about it, and I fucking worship that man. He is one of the. I mean, he's you the worship most, at the altar the of most, Elvis. The most incredible recording artist of all time. Uh, I feel comfortable saying that. Absolutely. Yeah. Have you ever read? Um, and Marion was so I important this, in that. Marion, we forgot all about her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's well, incredible. you know what? Now I think if Marion, yeah, I think Marion would be proud too. Mm-hmm. There's a great proud story Marian. about Elvis in on his like last day in Germany. There's a press conference which he'd not been allowed to do the length of time he was over there by the army and at the press conference it just so happens that uh marion keisker had joined the what was it the air force was uh, that army right? the army officer so she had just joined officer keisker. she is at the press conference he sees her in attendance in germany which is also the only like country he ever like visited outside of you yeah. know america and um he sees her he stops the crowd and has this, a similar moment to like what Sam had had where he's like, if it wasn't for that woman right there. Or do you know exactly what he says, Plez? The story was uh, Marion's like, or uh, I, don't, I guess it's Elvis says, I don't know whether to salute you or hug you. <laughs> Marion says both in that order. Aww. She loved him. And her, her superior officers like kind of gave her a hard time because it's um, – you're not supposed to like fraternize with the lower guys like that, and that's when Elvis came out and said, "Guys, dude, you guys must not know who this is. Uh, this lady." He said, "If I wasn't, if it hadn't been for her, I would have never gotten my start in the music business." That was Elvis's thing. It's and true. Once they found that out, they they put Marion kind of like in charge of like uh, um, not USO tours, but kind of like the the shows that they would do. Like Marion became a sort of wrapped up in the radio branch uh which is a really big deal back then in the armed forces still is i guess but i wonder if there's any books written about her not yet she didn't read it not yet working (gasps) on it well there's a podcast on her. well there you go looks like you two have books to write (laughs) 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 or a book to write i've got a new hobby and i really love the fact that marion heard something in him when other people didn't yeah. She, yeah, she specifically pushed, pushed that and told Sam to listen to this yeah. guy. Right? Yeah. That's phenomenal. I'm glad he finally listened to her and gave him a shot. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure he's happy about that, too. Can we? Can I do it also a speaking of? We yes. saw that you had a photo with Roy Orbison's son. Oh, yeah, that was a fun day. Yeah. Roy, so, all right. I think Elvis is great, mm-hmm. but Roy's my guy. Let's talk about Roy. Like, I want to talk about yeah. Roy now. Roy Orbison is, I think, one of the most powerful voices, like, and, and sense of, like, he got told by Cowboy Jack Clement, who was a, an engineer here when Roy came through, that he would never make it as a ballad singer. And what does everybody remember him for? But, like, how amazing he was at ballad. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I, I love how this room, too, kind of has acted almost as a crucible for people to be like, yeah, you think that? I'm about to prove you wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he, in this room, he and Sam were very close. I think at one of uh, Roy's sessions, his entire band quit on him, right, Plus? 
like at the at teen the beginning kings. of the session yeah. the teen kings yeah they they weren't getting paid basically like roy was getting royalties from sun and the band wasn't getting paid uh, so they all quit well roy was very upset and so he spent the guys. weekend at sam's house with sam basically just <laughs> looking after him and what was that i don't <laughs> phone oh there's a phone on the table that's so funny oh, that wasn't my phone uh, was it is it mine mine's in my pocket it's not. My phone is tucked away somewhere in my purse because no, I just put links in charge of all that. I know we <laughs> joked about throwing them out earlier, but I think we might actually have to. Oh yeah, what was that? <laughs> what happened? Yeah, we came in. We came in. We were just looking. We were just two humble Canadians looking for a tour, and then a cup got thrown at us. But there was Hampton. We were oh, accused. Ah, yeah. We were accused. <laughs> That's right. No, yeah. actually, no. What it and was I me. Said, it's like you know. Awesome sometimes <laughs> somebody. Sometimes if I accidentally bump into somebody, I'll look at them and I'll go like, "Hey, watch it." It was kind of like the same thing. <laughs> you where, played like, into it very well. It was perfect. <laughs> yeah. I was so worried when I was like, sometimes "I'm afraid we'd have to ask you leave." That you were going to be actually worried we were serious, <laughs> and you immediately played right back into it. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know exactly what was happening over there. But sometimes when I just overhear something, I like to pretend that I know what's happening, and I just. Just got to give it a shot. You did. Yeah. I'm glad you played along. So just just nobody was throwing cups at me. I didn't throw no. cups at anybody. I was. I you blamed me. You. I blamed Lynx, yeah. actually. <laughs> <laughs> I pointed at her immediately. Technically, I think it was actually your fault. Me? Oh, uh, Shanty. Yes. Oh, shit. <laughs> you threw it. Shanty. <laughs> Not it's a, Shanty. It's a, no, it happens all the time. It's a soft day. Shanty. It's Chantel, yeah. but oh, Shanty. So. Chantel. Yes. Okay, I'm, I like that. It's French. Yeah, cool. So, Can we talk a, about Barbara Pittman at some point? I don't know, man. Do it right now. Wait, before we get off Roy Orbison. Oh, shoot. I forgot. We, that's what we were Yes. <laughs> Is there anything you wanted to say? What, I, I think Cross you got eye. cut. In the middle, and then I okay, have yeah. something interesting I want to add in about Roy. About his son? How was he? Was he cool? Yeah. No, we don't you care about his son? No, no, no. Oh, okay, okay. So Roy, um, his, his band quit on him. He spent the weekend at Sam's house with Sam just kind of like being, uh, I don't know, nur- is nurturing is the right word, but I think that is. Um, and and now he was Roy, also, there, there's a great story by Barbara Barnes, who is another secretary here, where Roy... Uh, like picks her up in his Cadillac uh, to take her somewhere that she needs to go because she took the bus to get here every day. And they get in the car. They're talking about, like, so how are you doing, Roy? And he's frustrated because his hit single on the Sun Records, or not hit maybe, but Chicken Hearted is, like, the song that he has released. And he's not into the song. He doesn't like it. And I believe it was shortly after that that he went to Monument and then cut all of the ballads that I think – I think that's what he is known more for than some of the other guys, like Carl Perkins with Blue Suede Shoes, Elvis with, you know, That's All Right, Mystery Train, a lot of those early, you know, songs. Whereas I don't think Roy's catalog here is as well known, even by extreme Roy Orbison fans. Like, I was so into him, bought every record I could find. And when I started working here, I started digging through the catalog, and it's it's great. It's just not. It's more rockabilly than it is. Well, like Ubi Doobie. Oh so, man, Ubi yeah. Doobie is one of the greatest rockabilly songs. Of that all time. solo is a is. A, I oh, love yeah, the absolutely. solo. And down the line is great. My my favorite. Uh, what is the one he did here? Rock House. I love Rock House, but there's one. Oh, Sweet and Easy to Love You, 
and yeah. Devil Doll, I think. Devil Doll. Because I think sweet. both of those songs allude to the Roy that we get, where, where that like, we go, fall in love with. Where he's going to go yeah. in, like, 60, 61, right? Yeah. Like, but meeting his son was really cool. It was like an... That's another neat thing about this room is you never know who's going to, like, come up here and come through. Is he also um, a musician? Uh, I don't know. I met – who did I meet? Was it Alex? I Alex. Does, I'm sure Alex plays. I, I don't – we didn't really get to talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't want to bother him. I, I rarely ask people even for pictures when they come through because I don't want to – That must be tough. Yeah, yeah, that's a thing, right? You want to – I try to save you, it you for when be, I really, like, mm-hmm. feel like I'd be dumb not to ask. Yeah. And I'm know? sure you get a lot of people that – Always want to come and see some studios when they're in town touring, right? Or, right? Yeah, know, band members, and I stuff. love that. It's cool to see people. Just all the bands that come through. I don't know that we've ever had. I mean, you get your divas every now and then, I suppose, and it, just like you do in every job. Uh, but for the most part, everybody that comes through is like the coolest. Hey, I, I have a Marion Keisker question. Was she was she always here for like the first Marion? Yeah. When when did she leave? All right. No, so she did. May I? Yeah, yeah go right so ahead. So Marion uh, was actually working at the radio station, WREC, down the street. Really cool thing about her is she um, she was doing, uh, like, broadcasts, like, like speaking parts. And the person who owned the station, Hoyt Wooten, uh, liked her so much. Sweet that name, he, bro. Yeah, no, I know. Hoyt. <laughs> How he, you doing, Hoyt? He asked Marion basically to take a salaried position with WREC. Um, so she was getting paid salary, and she could still go work at all the other radio stations in town. But WREC had to have precedent, you know, uh, had to have – that had to be the one that she worked at primarily. So then as she's this – hugely accomplished woman with like 8 million different jobs at this radio station and every radio station in town a young just out of college Sam Phillips starts working there and so Marianne was kind of like his boss for a little while he was uh, broadcasting her Skyway Ballroom show that she hosted Skyway Ballroom show? Yeah, it's on oh, top of the Peabody. Peabody yet? No. Well, you can't get in this late, can you, Plaz? It's too late, yeah. <laughs> That's a shame. You could go tomorrow the, before I Graceland. See the ducks it's worth going on the roof. It's really cool. I just climb up the fire out of the Peabody. <laughs> we need more than 48 hours in Memphis. Yes, no wonder sure. you've been here yes. 18 times, yeah. Lee. I should move. I should have moved here 30 years ago. That's, Dude, that's, that's why I've lived late. here for 30 years. <laughs> That's what he kept saying on I'm the I'm going to move here and take down. your job, Daniel. Oh, shit. Never mind. Yeah, <laughs> actually, <laughs> I do have a position opening up uh, very oh, soon. Oh, no. <laughs> Assistant engineer, Cush gig. Well, I learned very fast. Like, I learned how to, you know, edit and produce a podcast and, you know, all my very own lonesome. So, no, that's okay. The kids need me. <laughs> no, that's important. I and can't. it's it's not the easest thing to figure out on your own either. Um, it's challenging. In, in, in its own star. ways. That's really cool. Yeah. How, so how did you get interested in it? Like, what, what led you to decide, you know what? I'm not, I want to do a podcast, and I also want to make sure that I know how to, you know, do all of the editing and, you know, producing of the podcast. Or the two of you. I mean, that's directed mm-hmm. to both of you. Mm-hmm. Um, well, a couple of years ago, and I feel like even two years ago, I think podcasts weren't as popular Right? Like, yeah. with every passing year now, they're getting they more and more, and you get more and more messages from people being like, hey, you have a podcast. How do we do it as well? And I think what ended up happening was when I – I grew up in a small town in northern Ontario, so 
before all my friends started started collecting vinyl again, mm-hmm. I started collecting vinyl and I had a record player and I was listening to Led Zeppelin and Steely Dan yeah. and a lot of dad rock and I was really into that and but I thought that that's all that there was yeah I didn't know that there were bands my age still making music so for me it was very much something of the past and I was really sad a lot of the time that I had missed out on something yeah um, and I had missed out on Elvis, and I had missed out on the Beatles, and I just didn't have anything. So it made me really sad a lot. And then I moved to, I went away for university, and it was a town that was about an hour and a half away from Toronto. So mm-hmm. it wasn't quite in Toronto, and it was a small town, so I was too afraid to go to Toronto anyways. And I just happened to be in this really rich environment of like art and culture. And all of a sudden, I ran into a couple of girls who just, like, lit my world on fire. Like, yeah. they, they brought – it's like when Dorothy, like, left Kansas and went into – Technicolor. <laughs> Technicolor. Yeah. That's exactly what happened to my life. And um, they started bringing me to shows. And I saw that there was still live music happening. And I remember going back to my family and going back to my brothers and being like, do you know that this is still <laughs> happening in other parts of the country? That, like, there are bands our age that are still making music and it's not dead. Yeah. And I was so excited. So I started going to these shows. And um, I'm not a musician myself, and I never fashioned myself a musician. I never tried to be. But my friends and I, and more specifically my girlfriends and I, would go to the shows and we would support and we would bring the people out and we would dance and we would start the party. So a lot of the times when bands would tour from across Canada, and Canada's huge, right? We've got our West Coast, our East Coast, and it can take you like days and, you know, days and days and weeks to get from one end of the country to the other. Right. So when we get bands come into our part of the city, a lot of the times, even if they played to an empty room, and it was just us, they would come back again because of the hospitality, like we were saying yeah, earlier, yeah. that we offered to them and the friendships that we made. And then, you know, I'd go to Toronto and see shows. If you to people shows. who are paying attention, that's, like, a big deal, too. Exactly. If you can tell Even that they give a shit five. Uh, a, a damn about what you're doing. You'd rather you know? play to five people who give a damn than 500 people that aren't listening to you. Yes. So then I was questioning a lot, like, well, what's my role then? What am I doing here? Like, oh, like um, I'm not a musician, so I was really struggling with, like, my – my part in all of this until I discovered Pamela DeBar's book. I'm with the band Confessions of a Groupie. Somebody has to document this stuff too. It's important. And there's so every day a band is born and dies before an amazing band before you ever get an opportunity to hear what they did. And if there are not people that loved it, shouting from the mountaintop about like why like this mattered. Pay to attention. Them, you yeah. know, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like then nobody's ever gonna see what this person might have lived and breathed and died wanting and chasing. Mm-hmm. And that's an important, powerful thing. I think that you, if it's worth it, you should be talking about it, you know? Yeah, and once I realized that I my role was important and just being there and being a fan and supporting and being either a friend or a love you know, or interest or, you know, having relationships with people who would come in and out of my life actually was a thing that had been happening right. for 
decades, then I felt like I wasn't alone in that and that I was actually playing a part in rock and roll history. And then there was a time where um, my dad got really ill, and so what I did to sort of cope was I opened up my laptop every day and I started writing down stories. And it was any stories, any stories from, like, any student that had made a profound effect on me to... But then it actually ended up that almost every second story was something about a band, something about yeah. a musician, a time that I went on tour, a time that, like, some something crazy happened in a tour van. And so I realized, like, okay, so what am I going to do with this? Am I going to make a zine? Am I going to write a book? Am I going to self-publish? And then I had found out that there was a thing called a podcast. And I went, okay, this is it. This is where I'm going to share the stories, but not just mine. I'm going to share the stories of the women that have already talked about it from the right. 60s, the 70s, the 80s, yeah. and beyond. And then I met Lynx, and I always wanted a co-host, and she was the perfect one because she, while I was kind of doing all of this stuff, she was sort of doing her own thing and living her own thing and on the tour buses of her own and living her, you know, her own life. And then we ended up coming together realizing that yeah. we have this exact shared passion, and it's just been taking off since then. Yeah, it's interesting because I sort of discovered, like, muses and groupies and things like that when I was, like, 12 or 13 – just from loving like old bands like the Rolling Stones and the Beatles and every once in a while you'd see a picture of like this beautiful girl beside them and I was like who is this person right. and, like how were they there and what were they doing and yeah so they it, must be interesting it, enough to exactly be... like they were special and just like these guys were special and yeah I was just wanted to know more and more about them and so luckily that's sort of when the internet started to be a thing and I would just research everything I could and collect photos and just try to seek out more information. But because the internet was so new as well, there wasn't that much information out there. So I actually, with a friend back in the live journal days, we... I remember those Yeah, days. right? Yeah. <laughs> um, we created a group and we called it Vintage Groupies and we posted like all the photos that we could find and yeah. all the information we Patty could find Boyd, about these women. Marion Faithful, Anita Pollenberg. Yeah. yeah. And uh, people kept joining and adding more photos and adding more stories and it sort of became a collection where I started to learn everything that I know now and uh, it was like a podcast like the pre-podcast. Right, that's like, kind of the evolution yeah, of what the Yeah, exactly. So this is like the perfect evolution, like you so said. So you yeah. both started like podcasting before being listeners of podcasts. Well, I wasn't doing like the radio part. I was doing just online, like yeah. journaling. Documenting. Yeah. Documenting, yeah. 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 And I can look back. I have this thing that never actually launched. It was like a rock and roll story time with Shanti. And I had gotten some of the, like, top, you know, Peterborough bands that I thought to, like, to come over to my house and recorded something on, like, my Mac laptop. And I realized later the quality was shit, and I had no idea how to edit, and I was too young for that. And it nothing ever happened with it. Mm -hmm. But I felt like I could kind of, like, give it another kick at the can again and do it a little bit later, like, better later. But I already knew, like, the seeds had been planted early. Right. It's like everything that you do, right? And you can think about, like, your job here and your career and everything that let you yeah. here. There has been seeds that have been planted and things that have sprouted. Like This is the very first room I ever recorded in. I can't Whoa, tell you that I never – after that happened, I didn't set foot in this place for another 14 years because I'd been here and I just like didn't come through again and then to think that I would end up working here is like bizarre and <laughs> sorry I give tours all day so my <laughs> voice is cracking but it's bizarre and 
wild and it brings it to, to me it creates a certain specialness about this room and place that is totally just unique to me and feels like oh, it's just special I, I don't know mm-hmm. um, it feels like home in here because I remember it I think I was talking with Mark Edgar Stewart who's a great songwriter who also happens to work here and he was telling me about coming through here when he was like 15 uh, and meeting Sam Phillips and like I was like, so how do you, how does that feel to you? Because that's how old I was when I first came through to have like been here and be here now. He's like, it's incredible. It's like you never would have expected that, you know. Um, yeah, to go back and tell like your childhood self, like this is going to be your trajectory. It's unimaginable. We're I, I've said this before. Like I think we've said this today. We've said this this week as we're right. coming here. Like we are so lucky. Mm-hmm. We are such fortunate people, and just to take the the second to be like, holy shit! Yeah, yeah. everything is so positive, and this whole experience, yeah, sharing these stories. So much fun, rock. It's, it's so yeah, much fun. And actually, and just like it's, oh, it just means so much. Yeah, to me. you know we get so much mm-hmm. out of it yeah. every time we release an episode. It's like another accomplishment, and we're almost on episode 100, and we still high five every time we record something. Exactly, that's amazing. And yeah, where yeah. did Plez so. go? Plez, are you still back there? I'm here. Oh, do shit. you want to tell us about Barbara? Yes. Oh yes, I'll have to do that. It's well, Plez, do you can you? How much Barbara do you know? Because there's not any books I've really found on her. Talking about Barbara Pippen? Yes. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. Tell, okay, tell so, some good stories while I go grab well, us all beers. I mean, I don't you need have, anything, Plez? Uh, yeah, I'll have a beer. That sounds great. Um, Barbara Pittman was a. I think she was from. She's kind of like a Carl Perkins esque, uh, <laughs> uh, from maybe even like Jackson. Uh, Tennessee, like that kind of there was there was a dichotomy to the artists, which is that um, it's either East Tennessee, which means they came from like the hills, so they're like hillbilly, or there was the Mississippi, the cotton farm guys that came up. Um, but Barbara was from East Tennessee. She um, she really really had a good relationship with Sam, so they spent a lot of time like working on her work um and she's i think she's probably one of the most under credited people whose stuff came out on the sun label really really breaking a lot of ground like sam was breaking a lot of ground in the early days Mm -hmm. with the black artists um it was working okay but he was also trying to push a female artist um kind of thing and i mean that's the radio station ends up being the thing w-h-e-r uh w-h-e-r w-h-e-r sam created a radio station called w-h-e-r it was the world's first all woman radio station that's That's so that's so cool uh ten thousand beautiful watts what year is that it's 50 it's it's right around the elvis times it's like 54 55 um, That's amazing. Marion Marion worked there. Sam's wife was Becky, uh, was also in radio. So they all, it, he he owned it, but the women ran it. And, and he always uh, talked about at least having an idea before WDIA for an all-black format radio station that he was kind of beaten to the punch at. So I guess WHER was his way of coming back in late to the game and – creating something that had never been done before. <laughs> hey! Weird. Do you know how long that station was lasted? W-H-E-R is still, I mean, the technically the, the, you know, the 
What's it called? The frequency is still uh, another. It's another station now. It's fifteen thirty, I think. Um, Not all women it was, anymore. No, no, and it was it was Sam's station probably for like five to ten years. So it would have been done by the seventies. That's amazing that in that time he thought Cheers. to showcase women, like, I know. female talent. Like I know, that. I think that's so cool about it Sam. Is. He was yeah. like it, it's something that. I think he deserves a certain amount of credit for. Although he, it should be the base level for not, like everybody. It's, but it's yeah. not just. But it's not just that he did. Um, you know that he. It's. I, I shouldn't say empowered women. I don't think that that's the right thing. But he Sam like believed in women's ability to run. Uh, you know radio station enough to get one but he also i mean in the earlier times with the blues artists like it was all stuff that nobody was doing in the world and that's to think it was his biggest rule is just be different yeah every yes if i can say i'm the only person in the world doing this (laughs) then i'll do it and i think that's sam like he was totally into that and barbara Pittman's not the only well, there's the Miller yeah. sisters, and, and... but not only not only the artists that he recorded here, but he also like he helped um, female label owners uh, all over the all over the country, really, but especially throughout the South. Do like, you remember any? There's such thing like, as female label owners. Yeah, yeah. wasn't Moon yes. Records owned by a woman? Moon was yeah. Uh, of course, Moon Records. Yeah. Moon yeah. Records was Come in on. Memphis, and it was like yeah. as an offshoot, not an offshoot of Sun, but like as an answer, right? Like to Sun, it was like that's why they it called was. it Moon, right? And it was what was the name of that woman? Do you remember? Uh, no, I don't. Well, you've it's got a full the internet moon tonight. <sighs> Back Trumpet. That was a. That was a lady in New Orleans. It's a full moon tonight. Really? It's a sturgeon moon. Oh, I really? Know. Mm-hmm. It's a good night. Yeah, it's a full moon. So if you guys have anything, any like you know, things that you need to release, then it's a good time mm-hmm. to just like just get them done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you just get okay. that out of your system. Oof. You know, anything that's that not you serving you anymore, you just push that right out of your system, and then you cycle into your. Can I burp? Yeah, yeah, yeah get it out Dude, of you. Release it. It. All right. You can just release it. I've been burping into this microphone all night. <laughs> I have held a few back, but boy, I'm going to really give it to you next time, y'all. Actually, um, I was talking with uh, these two podcasters um, yesterday, and two girls from New York, and they're called Rock Candy, and they're saying that they have to edit constantly their podcast because they're always saying um uh uh and they're always burping into the microphone that's awesome and i Keeping told them the burps, that's what i do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well i told it's them that real. links real. and i very rarely edit, edit. our podcast it tends yeah. to just oh. flow naturally yeah. only if it's a super oh. long pause or, or a happens. really or yeah, a yeah. really we've had some like knocks stutter. on the door or something yeah but other than that yeah it's it's pretty straight through yeah. My dad used to keep a microphone set up, hooked up to a tape machine, and he recorded his farts. <laughs> <laughs> we heard you have a pretty awesome dad. Sounds like Frank, something Frank Zappa would do. So, yeah, do you do you want to tell them about your dad, or do you want me to? My Paul, your yeah, Paul. Yeah, tell us about your Paul. Uh, yeah, my dad. Um, my dad moved to Memphis in the um, kind of in the mid to late seventies. He moved here to get, you know, in the music. And, um, which is really funny because I think like most of the time people from Memphis are just from Memphis. They just stay from Memphis and it's just like that forever. But my dad moved here from Houston, uh, to get himself wrapped up in the Memphis music scene, having, uh, heard, uh, Led Zeppelin three, uh, which was recorded or mixed and mastered at a studio called Ardent. 
also Big Star was a band that he worked with. And um, he moved here, and he ended up, it was like, fuck, it was crazy. One day in 78, the engineer didn't show up. Daniel, do you have your headphones on? I think Daniel might He's like to hear to this. He's about to put his headphones on. So one day... Daniel, put your headphones on. You need to hear this. Daniel. Yes? <clears throat> put your headphones on. So one day... I wasn't doing uh, John illegal. John Hampton uh, was sitting well, was answering the answering the phone and answering the door at our and um, the engineer on a session did not show up and so John Hampton ended up saying I can maybe do this and he went and he um, recorded a record that day and then over the next forty years he. I want to say, I think it's like 40 or 50 gold and platinum records and uh, six total Grammys and a bunch of other like Well, the Jim Blossom, massive. the White Stripes, uh, like a what? Right, yeah. So with the ZZ Top, George Thorogood, Steve Earle, uh, Cat Power. Oh, uh, yeah. I forgot he did yeah. Cat Power. Dude, yeah. Um, Steve Earle. Wild oh, shit. It's, it's nuts. John Hampton was their, he was their, their top engineer. Um at Arden, which is like the Abbey Road of Memphis, kind of. And he was there in that position for a really long time. So my dad was badass. Cool. And I never, ever recorded a thing until I started doing it here. That's so cool. Oh, can we give a shout-out to Badass Dad? Yeah. Um, Lynx, Lynx's dad and my dad are our biggest fans. They listen every single week. We did an episode on this woman named Alison Rouse, who actually in her, the title of her book is like Alison Rouse, We've Got Tonight, like the notorious, notorious groupie. groupie. And uh, I accidentally said that Cheap Trick was, and Foreigner were Canadian because I just really went through her book really quickly. Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> Suck the wind between your teeth. <laughs> and my dad was the first one to message me and be like, they no. are not Canadian. <laughs> if it makes you I'm feel so any better, I couldn't tell you where either of them were from. Really? Come on. Cheap trick? Aren't yeah. they like cheap? I won't. Yeah. Like I've well, listened to both. Illinois, but, yeah. trick. And foreigners like Mick Jones is, is British. I thought that Graham when you said it, somewhere. but you were, you, you were pretty like, you know, forward with it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I didn't want to doubt you on that. Yeah, I know. And then actually, she—I guess somebody had sent her the link of the podcast that we had done on her, and she messaged us the next day and was like, "Thank you so much for that great review on my book. You got a couple of facts wrong, but I loved it, <laughs> and I would love to come on your podcast for an interview." And so, we're like, okay, I was like, "I'm so sorry. We've been the so facts busy. are unimportant. Right, we're going to interview as long as you're her talking and about make somebody. up for that <laughs> little, you know, error. It's a small error. Yeah, she was. Okay, do you know you know John Entwistle? Yeah. You know how there was um sign like there was the paper like John Whistle die John Entwistle dies in a hotel room with a um, stripper. stripper prostitute overdose. Yeah, cocaine and hookers. No, I do not know. Cocaine about that. cocaine and hookers. Well it was That's cocaine and hooker in his put out hotel there. Room in that Vegas. was her yeah, that that, that was the story that yeah. was put out. But she wasn't a sex worker, and she wasn't doing any drugs. But that's how they like portrayed and even her. If she was like that. Doesn't exactly. disqualify her Thank from and her and humanity. He wasn't, he like, exactly. yeah, oh my Thank God. you for that. I mean, it doesn't. I mean, nobody's saying that she killed him though. With that, they were. They though, were me. though. They were. They were. <laughs> they were. Yep. It's his choice. Actually, plays. Do you ever give tours here? I do all the time. Best do you tours. Sing and, like, nope. 
dance and stuff, nope. or you keep it pretty? No, I'm a total. I really enjoyed you singing in the tour general. That, actually, oh, it really? showed your passion for it. it I worry it, it's it, too loud. No, it's great. I just it try is. to do it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm kidding. I just try to do. I just try to be myself in every interaction with people. And I'm sure I don't always accomplish that, but. You, you know. must have different groups come in, like some that are sort of quiet, some that are more boisterous. Y'all were boisterous. a really good group. It, I really that? enjoyed Which like, one? giving the tour to everybody in that group. The 530 today that you gave me. Plez actually almost gave you the tour. Oh, y'all almost got the best tour in the house. Uh, I mean, actually, you Daniel's, did hear his Marion no, story. It you know, tops mine, I undoubtedly. I, I did, I did I give you probably that. the best part. So Daniel, uh, actually, funny enough, is of a newer um, – kind of class of uh tour guides here and he plays music on his tour mm-hmm. uh, he i mean not just plays music we play the songs but daniel actually performs uh during a piece of his tour and i i think it's really do that really, really for y'all i usually play the upright bass on yeah. this uh old conway twitty song when he was still performing under the name harold jenkins dum, dum, i think i played dum, that one dum, when no dum, i didn't play that dum. one when y'all were walking down today no we uh, got the guitar with the dollar bill yeah everybody yeah, does well that. so okay mm. let me just say that sometimes daniel plays uh, a little bit when he knows he has time as people are coming downstairs, and it's um, are we really going to do this? I think it's air? really neat, man. Yeah, because the tours, because as I started working here, um, the tours were always recitation. That's um, an oral storytelling. Like it's a very specifically sometimes maybe like stand up routines are a way to think of it. But Daniel and a few other people, Tiffany, Tiffany Graham plays. as well. We have uh, some great. Like some of the women who give tours they here, they change the tours. Uh, I it, never it, thought I would ever see it, and I've seen it, and I'm so happy. It's cool. It is really cool. We're kind of given the freedom to, as long Do as we, you know, fuck we we give a shit. You yeah. know, it, it, we have the freedom to kind of tell the story the way we see it. Mm-hmm. And I think the interpretation of what you come away from with the story of what happened in this room. Uh, I think that's cool that it's not like here's the script, yeah. learn the script. Well, and the tour and the tour is guide? sorry. Yeah, it's okay. But you, we know you have a lot to say. The tour is like the <laughs> coolest thing in the city. The tour of Sun is I mean I think it's probably better than even Graceland, it's uh, Ooh, coolest cool. thing. We, we, can, <laughs> we can, we'll Michael it's Jackson different, that but out. It's cool. The, yeah. the coolest Beep. thing, I love the sun, the sun Tour, and I've been here like 15, 16 times, yeah. and I love you it every time. Up, because every time I get a different tour guide. Have you had Lana's tour? If you've been coming here that many times, Lana, last probably, year, I was here last summer. And do you I remember a, who gave a, the tour to you? It was a woman. Do you, you don't remember, I, I guess remember you get a, get a name? Uh, it's too bad you guys aren't going to be in town for longer because you could totally. I, I would love to know if you'd seen anybody else's tour, just so I can find out if mine is better. Um, <laughs> uh, but that's well, I've co- seen so many, and the, the reason I love it though is because yours is my favorite. Well, you don't By know far. that. Yeah. Have you seen anybody else's? No. <laughs> there you go. Then but, you can't trust. But like, that. there's not much to the building. Like, you go to Graceland. There's lots of rooms you can go through, and you can walk, and you go over and see this, and you go see this, and you go see that. But yeah. this is basically it's one. One one and a half rooms basically yeah. that you want to check out, and it's like an audio tour. So you come in here and you just take in the vibe, and you you play some select cuts that were recorded here. And as they're being played, you can envision like wow, this music. Was yeah, the addition right of the music is amazing. You yeah. you definitely get the vibe. I liked how you were like, for the love of God. Well, maybe you didn't say it in those words, but you're just like. 
don't touch any of the <laughs> instruments because we had an issue where somebody came and played the upright well, and bass. Well, strangely and... enough, no one had touched it. Like when it fell over. Can you go into detail heard... on that? You yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll tell that story. You Absolutely. mentioned that someone like knocked over. I was so curious. I was like, who was that so... asshole that came in, went behind that stand-up bass, and started going? I finished a tour with a really good group of like people who, because some, well, I don't know if I. It's important you're engaged with what the person telling you something about is is. It's important you're engaged if you go to what is essentially a show and that you're not just, like, over there bored. Um, and sometimes that does happen. You'll get groups where you're like, oh, you guys are stuck with me for 40 <laughs> minutes and you're ready to go to Beale Street. Uh, yeah, yeah. But so I'd just given a great tour to, like, a, a great group of people. I walk out. I open the door for everyone to exit. I can't even get back down the stairs into Marion's office before someone's like, hey, um, there was a really loud bang in the studio, which is never what you want to hear. No. And they're like, I'm not sure what it was. And I was like, and I bet, you know what? I bet that's who did it because they were like, probably like, I got to get the fuck out of here. Yeah. So I didn't even like, I was like, okay, cool. Thanks. I walk in and there's a crowd of people around the upright that is just like, like I could have chalked it out on the floor. Um, and so anyways, I, uh, did you see that? What? That amp just knocked as you said that. Really? Yeah. It's like a ghost. One of the ghosts. Of some I mean, studios. sometimes you see the things amp is up here. Pissed that someone. Yeah. Like, well, that's where the bass used to sit. The one that fell was this one right here. The ghost of Bill Black. Yeah. Just resonated through that amp on the story. So he. So so the bass falls. I come in the bridge. It was that bass right there, 1940s K. That Plez could tell you a really cool story about that bass. Uh, but the bridge had snapped in. And that was all the damage that I could see. And I was like, this is going to have to be repaired. So I call Amro Music here in Memphis because they do like basically all our tuning and that kind of work on these types of instruments and explain the problem. And it's like a $300 fix, which is we can take care of it. It's not a big deal. And no one owned up to like like someone totally went over there, tried to pluck a string and didn't realize and it fell. Yeah. So uh I, I find out during the course of the conversation that I can fix it myself, and so I put the bridge back on. And it, I thought it was like adhered to the body when really it's held by the tension of the strings yeah, and not. It's just sitting there yeah, and the strings hold the they said as long as the dowel rod inside of it, which I also did not know upright basses had that, uh, as long as that is still connected and attached and not fallen down into it, you should be okay to fix it yourself. So I did, and I was so relieved because that bass, I've never felt so. I don't play bass. Like I know one song on that and two songs. And uh, it's like I feel so much affection for that instrument. I love it so much. It's beautiful. It's the best. Eh? You can see its history. Yes. Okay, so Plez, now tell the, uh, the story about the upright K. Because I feel like that bass also – I mean, This for, bass is a 1941 bass? Uh, do you know the exact – I know it's a 40s K. I don't know. Um, Plez. Plez. He's smoking. He's oh, smoking. He okay, us. so when he gets back, yes. he can we'll tell that about story. The yeah. um, it's amazing the that got, like, you were able to fix it, I was shocked that I could. Oh, I, I, that was the first and only so time lucky. I hope I ever have to do that. Yeah. It broke my heart because I was so worried it was going to be done. Did, now, tell me this. Did I tell your group that it had broken and was done, or did I like, imply that we fixed that it? You just said that it was... A disaster or horrendous. Like, don't touch because we had an accident. Well, that's so much more effective. To remind people, hey, you could be the one to really fuck this yeah. up for all of us. Don't, you just throw down. Don't add, like, like, we please. fixed it, but, like, no. Yeah. I definitely was uh, But how many sure of these I instruments are actually vintage guitars? Didn't touch anything. 
Well, a lot of them are vintage. The only ones that the so we don't really know if that's a 40s K and if it has been in Memphis the entire time since it's around. It could have been in this room at some point. Yeah. But I mean, I can't tell you it I was. So, I, don't I don't think, think so age. either. Yeah. Now, the there's a silver tone guitar over there that we got from Carl Perkins family. Yeah. And I asked somebody who was playing with Carl near the end of Carl's life if he'd ever seen it before to just see if I could confirm. Verify it. Yeah. yeah. And and he said, yeah, I remember seeing one that looked like this when we were at his home studio. And so I feel like I can say for sure that that one is at least from somebody here. Um, that's Marty Stewart's guitar. That's a 1930s Gretsch, um, which I also love that guitar. I don't remember if I picked that up and played it to, on your tour it was or not. Just, but. It was just like the dollar bill that you yeah. picked up. Sometimes I'll pick them up. Sometimes I feel like with the room, if you're like, hey, don't touch this, and then I'm like, <laughs> like it just looks really it looks rude. Like like <laughs> yeah, exactly, and I'm not trying to give off that kind of... But the thing I, you didn't mention on your tour, though, which is a kind of cool fact, though, is when Sun closed down there in the early 60s, and Sam moved to the other location. This be, was empty for a while, and it, at one point it became like a, like a, a swimmer shop. So, so, yeah, so scuba shop, scuba which shop, there's right? nowhere to scuba dive that I know of except, in like, Memphis? maybe a pool. Know, like, right? you can't really scuba dive yeah. the Mississippi. You'd never be seen again. I'm guessing you know? they weren't in business for that long? Uh, that's the actually the very first thing that occupied the space after Sam left. Yeah. Now, but the, sto- but all the tiles... The floor tiles are original. The, are I'll show you guys something right. that no one else that's listening will get to see, mm. so this will be special. But I can show you how I can actually prove that the tiles on the floor are real. The tiles on the wall and the ceiling, it gets a little dicier because it's... the From about... I don't even know. Let, let me keep some mystery. What they did, I don't know which ones. There are definitely some over the years that have had to be replaced. Right. I will not put a number on how many that is because I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they put a paneling up for these other businesses and a drop ceiling in. So the ceiling is probably the most original aspect beyond the floor. The lighting fixtures are all original. I cannot tell you the nerves you feel when you're taking the lamp off to change a bulb. Um, yeah, it's just like, ooh, I just don't want to drop the glass. But the floor, the owner takes so much pride and care in keeping this floor original that, I mean, the tiles, like, you can see there's places where they have broken. I mean, they've been around 70 mm-hmm. years now almost or more. Um, but he takes so much pride in keeping this place as true to its structural foundation as possible that when tiles break, he will come in here with a blowtorch to rem- get them he- to where you can loosen them and they just kind of, like, peel up because it's laminate. Then re-adhere them and pl- and blowtorch them again to seal so that the floor stays original. original. I love that. That oh. is special. I mean, like, it's, I don't think that it's it, it's still the same place, but it's kind of like the ship of, is it Theseus? The argument of, like, is it original if it's all been shifted and yeah. changed over the years, you know? It's nice, the attention of detail that's, yes, that he puts I, into this. I love that. John Shore is the owner's name. He's a really cool guy. The Shores have managed the place since, like, the 90s, as I understand it. And it's cool because they keep the, like, charm alive in this room for the people they hire to work here, for the environment that is created with. We've got a great staff, you know, that, that is really fun to work with, and it's it's just so hard to have a bad day up here. I think I would probably take this whole story out, <laughs> like, to be honest. That's uh, beautiful, man. But, but uh <laughs> But I, lo- I love I love being in here. Um, 
Are you a fan of the music? Oh, absolutely. Before you got this job? Yeah, I, w- I was. So my dad was a huge Elvis fan. Yeah. He also was uh, or is a extremely conservative Church of Christ preacher. So I left the day I turned eighteen with nothing but the Chick Fil A <laughs> uniform I had on my back. So it was just like, and we like it's. I, we don't speak, you know. Um, but he was a huge Elvis fan, so I grew up listening to everything he could get his hands on with Elvis. And Elvis is is undeniable, in my opinion. But I do think growing up here and seeing how much his impact has had on the world and knowing all of the things that are happening now in Memphis that have happened in the last couple of decades and post, like, 50s era, Stax, High Records, uh, I mean, 3-6 Mafia, uh, unapologetic is like this awesome hip hop and R and B thing happening right now that I feel like someday people are going to be coming from all over the world to be like asking questions about these people. And I wish we could find that same level of enthusiasm for even the stuff that like big star, you know, I mean, that's like something that is, they literally altered the course of where pop music went. And so many people don't they were even the know. They first power pop band pretty much. Yeah. You know? And that's, like, if you're not in a band and you know about Big Star, that's not unlikely. You know, there's so many people who don't. And there's so – Memphis is full of stories like that. Mm-hmm. Clay Otis is this guy who just passed away a year or two ago uh, who put out one of the best records I've ever heard. Jonna Meisner is this incredible songwriter and cello player that lives here. So much talent in her harmonies, her vocals. Marcella – uh, who, who sings in a band, Marcella and Her Lovers. Kelly Anderson is, too, is this woman who writes and is the best solos, the good best guitar solos. Dude, yeah, like yeah. you would literally, it, you... She's a local Everybody, artist. yes, yeah. everybody, when Kelly Anderson and these people I've mentioned play, like, it's one of those things where you might be over there texting or talking and then suddenly you're like, wait a minute. Yeah. What's going on on stage? Because they get your attention. Because this is different. This is good. Um have you gotten to record with them here yet? Not with Kelly yet. With Marcella and Jonna, yes. We had a really cool night in here cutting a song of mine that's going to come out some sometime soon uh, in this room with Pro, who's a hip-hop writer around here in Memphis, on Unapologetic, the label I mentioned. He was here that night. Um, and it's there. I just can't say enough good things about what's happening now. And the ta- level of talent Memphis still has. Yeah. It's like, music is, like so Marcella songs. moved here from New Orleans, I believe, after Katrina. And she has what is called like a swamp soul sound. And I think swamp that's the soul. best description of it, too. Yeah. She plays with this incredible guitar player, David Kowser. Uh, she's got Roy Mills Sullivan on drums. Um, Art Edmiston on sax. He plays with Ario Speedwagon a lot. And... Uh, God, I hope I got that right. If, if, ever hears it. if not, um, my dad so will. Or maybe, maybe, or maybe it was the Allman Brothers, actually. I, or both. I mean, Art is an incredible saxophone player. Um, you've got Alicia. Uh, she does Alicia Pop. She played with Jay Retard. Um, she's also in a band. Oh, what was their name? The River City Tan Lines, which is a great band name. Mm-hmm. Um, it is. Link's got some big... I got Memphis. More than a tan today. Tan lines. tan lines today. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, it was worth it, though. Sunburnt got to be by the pool. pool. It's so, yeah. it's so, I, I'm not the kind of, you know, as soon as it turns warm and uh, I find people are like, oh, it's too hot. And then it's the winter and they're like, oh, I'm freezing. But as soon as it gets hot, I, 
I know. I love, love this it. So I didn't, I never complain about how hot it is, but I was sitting outside today by the pool and I was like, I don't remember when I've been sitting somewhere and it's been this hot before, yeah. but I loved it. I really, really it is. liked it. It is. Today was so bad. We had yeah. a breath, uh, like a breath of fresh air for a couple of weeks where it was tolerable. And then, I mean, we'll get to October sometimes, sometimes even early November and it's still like, yeah. oh man. That sounds like heaven to me though. Well, we, we get Oppressive. sometimes like the same temperatures that you guys get and the humidity in Toronto is pretty bad too. But just the feeling of the sun on your skin yeah. is completely different. Like you feel it within like a minute. I can feel my skin being like, oh my God, what is this on me right now? <laughs> you know? Everything feels really it's amazing since yeah. we've been here. It's and intense. Memphis is intense. I think you will, I think. Memphis is probably one of my favorite places in the whole world yes. now. Because it's really, yeah. I mean, it's an incredible so, place. Yeah, you have, and you guys have. So thank you so, so, so much Let's for, for having Let's us. Yeah. And thank you for coming I, you, Yes, I'm very tempted to move here. And if you guys um, ever come to, come Toronto, up to Toronto, for the love of God, please call well, us. Well, we've been talking about taking some trips, and I think we're about to, to have do you. that. Me and Daniel were just talking about taking yep. a trip to were Toronto. We really? <laughs> I remember mm-hmm. Lily, Close enough. means hanging out with y'all. This yeah. has been yeah. we'd love to give, we'd love to, and that's the whole thing about you reciprocate with the, the with what I love. And from we we can bring you into our studio. Yeah, yeah links can hook us up. We'll give you a Massey Hall backstage. I work at a couple of music venues. Like Massey Halls are most famous. Yeah, yeah. special studio. venue. Oh, man, that sounds yeah. like a blast. Yeah, yeah. I love. I'm I'm such a nerd for this stuff. Like microphone placement, studios, <laughs> and like see like venues, bands. I will sit through anything and go anywhere if there's the possibility that something really fucking cool is happening mm-hmm. in that space. And you don't know till you've gone and checked it out. You know. Yeah, you can feel mm. the magic. It, like you feel it here. Yeah. This is. That's like probably also the tiny bombs. Possibly. <laughs> oh, this <laughs> night yeah. is brought to you by our unofficial <laughs> sponsor of hey, Tiny Bombs. You know, if you give them a shout out, I, I could probably like get them to be like. <laughs> it's <can't>. actually delicious. <laughs> it really is really good. Hello, dear stranger. I'd like to introduce you to something new. Or perhaps something very, very old. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine is a horror fantasy medical mystery following the titular monk turned traveling medical investigator. Follow Radolf as he navigates a nightmare world in which viruses are gods and the human race are not their favored children. Steeped in history and an aesthetic that can only be described as a combination of occult academia and laboratory Judaica, The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine have been described as Umberto Echo meets H.P. Lovecraft. For more information, check out the Patreon at thorb.info. But take care, dear stranger, for some truths are best left unknown.